So if I can get you guys to put up my, uh, the slide of my favorite movie. There you go. Home Alone. Uh, what better way to begin the Advent season than a comfortable evening at home watching an inspirational movie about a young boy that is left at home alone to face a few predators that would love to rob his family's home as the rest of the family leaves for a holiday trip. Of course, I am somewhat speaking tongue-in-cheek. It is a fun movie to watch. Not totally sure if I would call it inspirational. But the title has our catchword or our theme word in it for the next month. Home. And as we embark on the next month uh, leading up to Christmas, our theme word is going to be home. And in many ways, at least culturally, I think it's a very suitable word for Christmas. In our world, it seems that Christmas and home are just somehow naturally tied together. We sing about it. I'll be home for Christmas. We watch movies about it. People everywhere go home for Christmas. We might be baking Christmas goodies, or the turkey and all the fixings, or we may be sitting around the Christmas tree, or even caroling at the neighbors, or attending family gatherings, at the end of the day, it really is all about home. And so that gives us some nice fuzzy feelings. But is it really biblical? What about the first Christmas and home? I find it actually a little bit ironical, as you, or ironic, as you think about home and Christmas. It actually seems as though the first Christmas, it actually seems as though the first Christmas was all about not being at home. Mary and Joseph were far from home when baby Jesus made his arrival. The wise men left home and they were far from home when they finally found the baby Jesus. The shepherds were not at home when the angels found them and brought them the news about the birth of Jesus. And maybe the most significant of all, the way we often verbalize it at least, Jesus himself left his home to come and spend time here on the earth with his people in a colossal attempt to do what it took to draw humanity back home to himself. And so in some ways it actually seems a little ironic that we will be using the word and the concept of home as our theme for the Advent messages this next month. And I hope that just piques your interest a little bit and your curiosity as you come back Sunday after Sunday. Let me just say this. Each Sunday we will unwrap a truth, I would say, that leads us toward making our hearts our lives, our families, our communities, our churches, and our world just a little bit more like the home that the ultimate homecoming of Jesus intends to make it. This morning the words are, come down home. Not sure if you took the note of the words in the last song that we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. If you take a look at the words in that song, you will see that it is a song calling on Jesus to come down. 
It is a song that recognizes and expresses the fact that our world desperately needs Jesus to come and infiltrate our society and our world. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory or the grave. O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease and be thyself our king of peace. A pleading for Jesus to come and do for our world what we so desperately need. Now you, like me, may struggle a little bit with the idea that we are calling Jesus to come down to earth and that we are terming that as home for him. I'm not actually totally sure why we have this idea that, that heaven is God's home and the earth, well, that, that's kind of human's home, or, or maybe even worse, we kind of have the idea that, that heaven is God's home and the earth is kind of Satan's home. I guess maybe partially we kind of think that way because there's so much around us that kind of seems out of control or, or seems that it's kind of in evil, in the control of evil or in the control of the devil. Truthfully, I think we may have a bit of an incorrect view on that. Psalm 24, 1 and 2, which is quoted again in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So for today, I would like to challenge you to think of it like this. And you can debate this in your mind or with your families, etc., if you want to. But for today, here's, here's what I want to just kind of present as a way of thinking. The earth is as much God's home as heaven is. And maybe for the sake of putting it into our language, again, just something for you to work through, uh, when we humans sin back in the book of Genesis, maybe we can kind of look at it like this. It's like something of the earth was given over to the devil's control. Something of God kind of seemed to leave. And when we call on God to come down home, we are pleading with him to come back. To come back home, like when the boss leaves the job site and everything in the process kind of seems to be going wrong and workers are goofing off and not getting along and making mistakes and getting upset and everything is kind of going sideways and out of control. We need the owner or the boss to come back and put things in order. And even so, maybe we can look at it like this. We look around us and we call on God to come down home. We need you back here, God. We need you back here, Jesus. We need you to come and put things back in order. Like I said, feel free to kind of debate that idea, toss it around, think it through, process it. For now, follow me to Isaiah chapter 64, where most of our thoughts are going to come from, be taken from this morning. Isaiah chapter 64, prophet Isaiah 
writes this, and he begins this chapter, 64, by saying this. I, I think it's, it's cool. It's an interesting. It's, it's amazing. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. A plea for God to come down home. God, we need you to come down to earth. We need you to come and, and make your presence known here. We need you to come and reveal yourself, your power, your glory, your justice, your love, your forgiveness. We need you, Jesus. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. We need God here, now, on earth, in our home. Now, fair enough. You might look at this and you might say, okay, hang on, hang on, Darren. Now, that totally makes sense, you know, you're, you're on the right track. Uh, but this Isaiah stuff here, this was written like hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. The first time, or before he came to earth the first time. Uh, the Jews had a clear sense that a Messiah, a Savior, the Son of God, somebody was coming to put things back in order to restore God's people back to their rightful position. And they were looking around and they were, they were not a highly esteemed people at this point in time. And their world was crumbling around them. And there was not a high level of spiritual vitality and obedience. And God's people looked at all of this that was happening around them back here now in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born the first time, God's people looked around and they said, God, we need you to come down home and set the record straight. We need you to come and make your presence and your power clearly known again here on earth. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. It's a pleading with God to come down home. And then in the following verses here in chapter 64, and that's where we're going, the prophet Isaiah kind of expands on this plea. And, and even though Isaiah wrote, like I've already said, uh, at a, in a very different time, almost 3,000 years ago now, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, uh, before Jesus actually even came the first time, before the original Christmas story, I believe that our plea should be exactly the same. I believe there are the reasons for wanting Jesus to come now are pretty much totally parallel with what they experienced and with what they were thinking and going through and seeing and pleading for back here in Isaiah chapter 64. So for the next few minutes, from Isaiah 64, I want to pick up on this question. Why? Why do we need Jesus to come down? Why do we want Jesus to come down home. From Isaiah chapter 64, let's take a look and find several of those reasons. First reason, very clear uh, in my mind if you read verse 2, next verse. Um, we want Jesus to come and once and for all defeat God's enemies. I, I, I don't know if you feel this, that way when you look around. I, I feel that way over and over and over. Oh, I would love to see Jesus come and clearly establish once and for all who really is in charge. I don't know what you think of when you think of God's enemies. For me, what kind of captures that is, uh, as I look around in life, the, the fight between life and death. 
that to me is one of the clearest pictures of the enemy, the ultimate enemy of God. And in our community, we've seen it again this past week. And we go, I think I can say we, I certainly, I think we, we go, good grief, really? Again? Death wins again? And I get so tired of seeing death celebrate victory. Paul identifies this enemy in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, where he says, the greatest enemy or the last enemy to be defeated is, is death. Death, the greatest enemy of God, and death needs to know that it is the loser. I don't know if you feel that way. I feel that way as I look around. Why is death still allowed to hurt people? This isn't right. God is the creator of life. God breathed life into humanity. Check Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. God created life. God wants life. God is life. God breathes life. So God, come on down home and put things back in place. Come and set the record straight. And when I say death is the enemy of God, I, I, I don't just mean the ultimate as in physical, the actual final physical death. I mean anything that contributes to the, the overall big word, death, death in relationships, death in hope, death in health, death in buildings and vehicles and toys even, death in our jobs and business dealings, any and all forms of death are included. The stark opposite of life is the arch enemy of God. And I, for one, want to see death meet face to face with life. Jesus, come on down. Bring your life here. We need it. There's so much death everywhere. I want to see the mountains tremble. I want to see death and all of God's enemies tremble before him. Show your power. Jesus, come down home. And meet face to face with your enemies and show us who the ultimate winner is. Please, Jesus, come back home. Keep reading here in Isaiah chapter 64. As you go into verses 3 to 5, again, the question, why do we want Jesus to come? For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right. I, I, I'm just going to verbalize it like this. God, we need you to come and help those who love you. Throughout the Bible, there's this concept of, of God's people, those who love God and follow God, and then those who do not. And there's this dilemma that's mentioned several times in the Bible about why is it that the people who don't even care about God, who give no thought at all to who God is and to his authority and, and, and his majesty and his glory, why is it that people like that prosper and then those people who love God and desire to follow God and are conscientious, they struggle and struggle and can hardly make it through sometimes. Why is this injustice? And there's pleas over and over in the Bible about God to, to come and set the record straight. Now, let me take a little side road briefly. Honestly, there's an element of this that I'm a little uncomfortable with. 
Um, I really don't like that this often tends to bring us to a point of trying to differentiate between who is and who isn't. Christian. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I would gladly speak more about that at some point if somebody wants to, but I, I guess I just feel that there are too many places in the Bible where people who think they know who is in and who is out uh, are challenged by Jesus and, and are informed of the fact that someday when reality is revealed, we're actually all going to be surprised. And so, and so I, I hesitate going anywhere where we're tempted to do that, do that differentiating. And so let me, let me come back and remind you, it is not our job to figure out who's in and who's out. It's not our job. We can go to the hospital and see people suffering and say, God, come and help these people. We can go to poverty-stricken areas of the world and plead with God to come and help his people. We can go to Union Gospel Mission and Inner City Youth Alive and plead with God to come down home. We need you. Help these dear people that desperately need to be picked up in life. And so let's just say that the call for Jesus to come is partially motivated by a desire to see God's children lifted up, God's true children lifted up and helped instead of being trampled on. God, come and set the record straight. Keep reading here, middle of verse 5 through verse 7. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you were hidden. You have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our, our sins. Why do we need Jesus to come down home? We need him to come and deal with our sin. Back in the day when this was written, there had still been no once and for all sacrifice for sins. And so there was this, this desperate longing to have someone come and deal with their sin. I feel dirty and I feel guilty and I need somebody to clean me up. I need somebody to take care of the sacrifices for me. I need forgiveness. I need to be freed from my guilt. I need to be washed. Some of that has changed with Jesus' first coming for sure. Now it kind of feels like I'm forgiven and I'm free. Praise God. But crazy thing is, I, I'm still sinning. And so it is that which makes me uncomfortable now. And I say, God, I need you to come and rescue me from this body in which I keep sinning. Like Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he gives a little answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That rescue will happen through Jesus. If that is true, then, then I want Jesus to come. I want him to come now. I'm tired of being the old man. 
Paul says in that same chapter, I'm tired of doing things that I don't want to do and not doing things that I do want to do. I want Jesus to come down home and rescue me from my sinful body. I don't want to live in this sinful body anymore. I want to be more. I want to be better. I, I want to be freed from this, from this body that causes me to, to sin. Romans chapter 8. Paul is still on the same track. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. It's already there. But we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. I want this guy here. I want this guy to be fully redeemed. I want this sinful man here, standing here, to be once and for all perfect and holy and right and complete in the true sense of what that means in God's economy. Please, Jesus, come down home and deal with my sin. Then he makes one more plea. Gives us one more reason why we desperately want Jesus to come down home. If you check verses 8 and 9 here in Isaiah 64. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Why? Why do we need or want Jesus to come down home? To restore us. To restore us to himself. You are our Father. We just want to fully and completely be your children. He kind of adds something here. I think that's worthy of taking note of. End of verse 8. We are all the work of your hand. Then into verse 9. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. God, come and restore us. Come and restore all people back to yourself. God, come down home. Come and be our Father, a Father for everyone. We have all sinned, and now we all need a Father. Please, God, come down home and restore us all to yourself. And then in verse 12, the prophet kind of makes a concluding plea. And he says it like this. After all this, O Lord, will you hold yourself back? It's almost like he... he He's questioned, have I made my case? Have I pleaded with you? Do you get it? Do you understand? Could you, after all that I've said and the reasons and the logic I've given, would you, would you keep holding yourself back or would, you, or would you come? Please, God, come. Come, Jesus. God, look, do you hear us? Please come down home. We need you. I was listening to a speaker many years ago. His name is Larry Wilson. He's actually been in our church also uh, quite a few years ago. He's an indigenous community leader and pastor in Winnipeg. And he was talking about the plight of his people in Canada. And on this particular day, as I was listening to him, he finally broke down and through tears he simply said, We need Jesus. My people need Jesus. That's what he said through tears. And I feel that way when I look around. Our world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. 
We need Jesus. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. I'd like to invite you to please join me in this responsive reading that you're going to see up on the screen. We're going to go with east side and west side, so uh, no, there's no competition. Um, east side, west side, and then everyone, and then myself again. God of justice and peace, healing and comfort, we see all that is wrong and wonder where you are. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in several songs. And uh, they're songs of kind of response or maybe not so much response as allowing us to all contribute to this voice pleading for God to come down. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light this candle to remind us of our longing that God will come into the world bringing justice and peace, comfort and healing for all. Amen.